0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Hi, this is Marion Nessel. I'm the Paulette Goddard Professor of Nutrition, Food Studies, and Public Health at New York University and a longtime fan of Heritage Radio.
2: Like Marion, you too can support Heritage Radio Network, a member based nonprofit radio station operating out of Bushwick, Brooklyn.
1: I've been on it countless times. I love being interviewed. The interviewers are always really well prepared and fun to talk to about the issues that matter to me the most, uh, about how we can change our food system to one that's healthier for people and the environment. It's just invaluable to have an independent radio station that's dealing with these issues. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful asset.
2: Support Heritage Radio Network by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate.
3: Today's program is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. For more information, visit mofad.org.
1: I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey guys, you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, and this is Eat Your Words. I'm your host, Kathy Arroway. Um, right now, it's the full swing of summer, so we're in the midst of a really busy harvest season. So I'm really thankful that my guest today could join us to talk about his new book. Um, my guest today is Joel Salatin, who is a third-generation farmer um, who works with his family on their farm in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. Um, it is called Salatin Polyface Farm. And if anyone um, needs any further introduction to Mr. Salatin, if uh, you read uh, Michael Pollan's The Omniverse Dilemma, then there's no chance that you cannot for uh, that you can forget this character. Um, so Joel was interviewed extensively for that book, and uh, Joel has recently published a new book called The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs. Um, we have him on the line right now. Joel, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, and I hope you are.
1: Thank you. Yes, and thanks so much for joining us. Um, excellent uh, book. This is a really really. Um, a fabulous read and I really enjoyed every page of it. Um, So let's talk. um, I just want to kind of like get folks um, into the topic sort of in a nutshell, if I may, Um, you write about, yes, the marvelous pigness of pigs, but also this book you describe as uh, a sort of coming out story and uh, (laughs) no. And you also, okay. So the other thing is you describe yourself as a self. What is it? A self-described Christian libertarian environmentalist capitalist lunatic farmer. So this is your coming out story, as such. But also, I think that it's really um, it's really important that you talk about bridging um, a sort of culture war that you've seen throughout your life.
2: Well, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I call it my coming out book is because I've been known and kind of you know established a a brand, if you will, of Mm -hmm. of ecological farming, foodie, local food, uh, that sort of thing. And so, you know, uh, my writing, my talking has been about, you know, farming environmentally friendly and and food that's local centric and things like that. But that has not been the mantra of this other side of me, which is this, you know, conservative Christian uh, uh, belief system and ethic. That um, is is op- more often than not on a dir- on a collision course and actually <laughs> you know poos and makes fun of you know uh, tree huggers, environmental wackos, and things like that, and and so um, so I, I thought that that you know I've, I've I've lived with this tension all my life, yeah. and uh, at this point I you know I, I write based on what I think our culture needs to hear, not on you know what'll make a lot of money or what'll sell or anything, but as I travel and talk and, and meet people it's it's you know what do I feel like our culture needs to hear right now and I mm-hmm. think I, I think that the the uh, the message of creation stewardship uh, if there was ever a time when it needs to be um, wrestled with by the religious right by the evangelical community I think is now and it, it could and if 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 that group could embrace it, it could truly tip the scales in a lot of policy that is, you know, uh, that, is, that is, you know, opposed to, um, you know, to long-term earth care.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, reading through this book, I- I'm actually, I'm quite shocked that, you know, you make it sound so natural, and there is so much common sense, there's so much common ground between being a real um, responsible Steward of the land and uh, animals and the environment, as well as um, you know worshiping the Christian God and um, you know promoting uh many other christian beliefs that that you have that I'm actually just confused about why you seem to um, be kind of alone a little bit in this field <laughs> yeah well uh,
2: yeah well um you know if if you listen to you know conservative talk radio and and uh you know the, the conservative voice in that that has a, a very strong you know faith-based constituency mm-hmm. uh, what what you see very quickly is um, is a uh, is a is a pretty um, cavalier attitude toward mm-hmm. you know toward environmentalists toward earth stewardship and I get that because Unfortunately, the environmental movement has grown out of a kind of a, a big government um, uh, regulatory okay. and even an earth worship framework. You know, the the, rom- the, the English Romantic poets, uh, Bishop Shelley, Keats. You know, mm-hmm. never seen anything as lovely as a tree, and and so the the, the kind of oh um, natural movement. Well, I mean, look at the. Um, you know, look at the early 1970s with the back to the land, the hippies, the beaded, bearded, brawlers, uh, yeah. free love, you know. Yep. Uh, gr- uh, Very liberal. Kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so what happened was, I think, that this this kind of environmental uh, movement, you know, Gaia and all that, mm-hmm. um, uh, was so, well, was so steeped in creation worship okay. that the creator worshipers essentially... Um, Demonized everything that they would say, and so if you know if Ralph Nader says we should clean up this stream, uh, you know Sean Hannity would say, "Well, no, you're an idiot." You know, <laughs> I mean, so, so you have to you have to dismiss yeah. everything um, that the other side says because you can't you know you can't give them any ground. And what I'm suggesting is um, that 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 while I uh, disagree very much with, you know, big government, top-down regulatory, and, and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm simply coming as a prophet, saying, you believers in, 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 in the creator, you know, you say it's his stuff. Well, uh, what's his return on investment? You know, does he want undrinkable water, unbreathable air, and soil erosion? Is that is that what you think uh, uh, God would want, return on investment? And, you um, and, and, to try to create a message that resonates with people personally as opposed to uh, saying, well we, we need this program or that program, that sort of thing yeah. a-, a, call, a, ca- a call to a belief in an action individually uh, and, and if we if we could literally move the the, 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 uh, the faith-based community in this country to begin matching what's on their menu with what they believe they say they believe in the pew. Yeah. It would be it, it it would empty, it would empty the um. It it would empty the food orthodoxy right. that is completely bent on you know earth destruction, uh, nutrient deficiency, and pharmaceuticals, and that would be a cool thing to reverse that those patronage dollars from from yes. one side and devote it to the other.
1: Well, you make a really compelling case for bridging this divide. Um, I'm just curious, what about your particular upbringing in, you know, your family's farm? How did you find yourself sort of in the middle here of this culture war? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, of course, you know, our family, I grew up, you know, very, very conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went to a conservative uh, church, and, and uh, we're in a conservative faith uh, community here. Um, and so growing up... Um, we kind of had this double, this double existence, you know, on our, our, our faith-based friends were, um, you know, everything. Basically, anything that humans could cleverly conceive to do was, was fine, from, right. you know, genetic engineering to DDT to, uh, you know, to whatever. And, and, and here at home, though, with our farming friends, I mean we were talking compost and we had you know marijuana smokers through the house all the time and hippies. you know I grew up on uh, adele Davis you know uh mm-hmm. making um uh, tiger milk I mean one one church group we were in um you know dad we would make tiger milk here in the house and our church friends heard about it and called it panther puke you know it was it was that kind of, it, it was that kind of uh, uh you know, uh, uh, tension, give and take. I mean, yeah. it, it it wasn't like I grew up angry or mad, or we were mad, or anybody. Hey, it was just, it was just this kind of cat and mouse game, you know, <laughs> uh, between and and uh, it it grew more and more acute, you know, through my growing yes. up years, and now later in life, I, I'm, I, I I took this this mantra that you that at the top of the program that you know the christian libertarian environmentalist capitalist lunatic uh... several several years ago after being so frustrated so often at when i was introduced to speak the assumption was oh here's this organic farmer so he must be for you know democrats liberals big government abortion um, you know that sort of thing and so kind of in in self-deprecating self-defense um, I, I kind of created that moniker to say, "Okay, folks, you know, look, uh, there's a big world, and we can bridge this divide, and I'm the bridge, and don't put me in a box." And uh, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's created the opportunity for conversations that that usually don't occur in either people that are, you know, radical environmentalists or people who are, you know, very uh, steeped in the faith-based community. They usually don't talk to each other. And I'm finding myself able to irritate both sides and be friendly with both sides. And so that, that's kind of cool.
1: I think that's really cool. And, you know, like here at Heritage Radio Network, I think we couldn't be more liberal and democratic. But I, I think this is actually a really fascinating read. um, um However, am I sort of not your target audience here, or do you think there's great value in <laughs> reaching out to um, folks who, who are, you know, f- I guess, you know, might not see all sides of the, of the culture war? Do you think that there's um, a lot to be gained there? And you mentioned a really cool um, talk that you gave at UC Berkeley where um, I'll just if I could describe this incident, um, as you describe it in the book, um, you sort of like uh, this student body was known for hissing at people when they mentioned the word God. And they didn't do that at all. Instead, they gave you a standing ovation at the end of their, at the end of your lecture, even though you mentioned God several times. And um, why do you think, what, you know, what do you think went through the students' minds? Um, How did, how did they, you know, how did they get touched by your words, or how did they find something, you know, that resonated with them?
2: Yes, well, I, I think, I think that, that for many of them, for the first time in their life, they encountered a faith-based person who, um, who, who cared about things that they cared about. And um, unfortunately, too many in the faith-based community uh, take a, a, an accentuated kind of dominion, you know, dominion, manipulative stand um, uh, over, you know, over the physical universe, mm-hmm. and uh, and essentially have a limitless or a boundless um, uh, concept of, well, you know, God put me here and in charge, and, and, and any, anything I want to do I can do, and um, and, and it's very innovative is very innovative to be able to uh, conquer the earth, you know, conquistador. I mean, the whole, the whole conquistador thing was in the name of God, right? I mean, you know, while they're while they're killing the Incas, mm, you know, yeah. uh, this is in the name of God, right? Uh, the Crusades. I mean, the 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 uh, the, the the pillaging that's occurred uh, in the name of God is certainly as big as the pillaging yeah. that's occurred in the name of of any other uh deity or any other uh, religion. I think and it's a, so, yeah. And, and so and so uh I I deeply appreciate that and and understand that our first I feel like as a faith-based community the first thing we need to do for whatever credibility uh or for you know um uh, uh what uh, respect mm-hmm. in the in, in the radical liberal kind of uh, environmental community the first thing we need to do is repent about the sins of our past and be honest about it yeah then then let's come to the table and say okay all right you know we have done a bunch of terrible things we're going to put that behind us now how can we heal how can we heal these things because because you know the radical environmentalists have been talking about healing the earth for a long time now there's there you know my side would typically say, "Well, the answer is not a government agency. Uh, we would say the answer is 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 personal responsibility. How can we message personal responsibility forward?" Um, and and you know, so, so we 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 still have our disagreements from a. Maybe a, a, a large policy standpoint, okay. but goodness, we, we can't we can't even sit down at a table. It, it, look, if I walk into well, a regular the regular church in America right now and say, you know, instead of at the next potluck, instead of having uh, styrofoam plates, why don't we use paper? Or better yet, why don't we go down to the uh, to the to the Salvation Army store and get a bunch of mismatched, um, uh, you know plates, dinner plates, and wash them in the sink, so there's no waste in the trash can. Mm-hmm. Well, the hell, elder's going to grab me by the arm, usher me out, and start calling me a commie pinko, one of them, you know, uh, earth muffin kind of folks. And, and we, we, can't, we can't even have a conversation. Right. And so my, my hope with this book is that, um, that, that both sides will appreciate that we would both be better off if we can have a conversation
1: you're absolutely right we all need to check ourselves and our stereotypes and our preconceived notions and so forth Um, well thank you so much Joel we're gonna come to a we're gonna have a quick little commercial interlude and we'll be right back chatting more with you
2: thank you
3: Strangers to the great divide. with all you strangers to the great divide. They say salvation's on the other side, some will round and some will hide. with all you strangers to the great divide. Hi, this is Peter Kim, the executive director of MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. We're a nonprofit founded by Dave Arnold, the host of cooking issues here on the Heritage Radio Network, and we want to take people on a learning adventure through the world of food. We just opened MOFAD Lab, our gallery space at 62 Bayard Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where we are currently showing flavor, making it and faking it. Flavor features some very cool sensory interaction. Flavor tablets deliver tastings of vanilla and umami, and the Willy Wonka inspired smell synth lets you compose over half a million different flavors. So come on by and visit MOFAD Lab. We're open five days a week, and tickets are $5 for kids and $10 for adults. Learn more about the Museum of Food and Drink at mofad.org.
1: All right, we're back. This is Eat Your Words, and I'm so honored to be chatting with Joel Salatin, who's the author, most recently, of The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs. Uh, Subtitle is Respecting and Caring for All God's Creation. Thanks so much, Joel, for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me. It's delightful to be with you.
1: Absolutely. Um, So I'm curious, why dedicate this book to the pigness of pigs? Um, Is there anything about pigs that that just captures your, um, I don't know, that speaks to you more than, say, perhaps the cowness of cows, chickenness of chickens?
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, um, uh, just that... It, well, number one, it's it's a nice short word to say. It's a lot shorter than chickens. Okay, yeah, chickens. And, <laughs> and and um, I guess I guess uh, generally speaking, pigs, um, pigs have probably been whatever uh, you know abused, or I mean, you know, they're they're kind of considered. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they they do like the dirt, right? I mean, yeah, they're like the, right. they're like the lowest, you know, the lowest of the animals, uh, of of the farm animals, and uh, so I, I I picked I picked pigness of pigs, I, and I think partly because over the years when we do farm tours here, mm-hmm. um, when I address this topic, it's always with the pigs because. I'm showing people how we use pigs to build compost, and you know they're turning and churning and rooting and all that, and the pigs are behind me. And I end with this crescendo of pigness of pigs. You know, it's the point. Yeah. And so I've always just used that as my, you know, as my thing on tours, and so it was easy to use it as a title. But yes, it could have been the tomato ness of tomatoes. It could have been okay. uh, anything, but that would have sounded kind of, kind of long.
1: All God's creation, <laughs> equal. But actually, pigs. Do you? I find that a lot of farmers I know have a have a sort of um you know a, a friendship with their pigs they're one of the most intelligent animals sort of like yes. dogs
2: yes mm-hmm. oh a- absolutely they mm-hmm. are te- they're they're the most considered the most intelligent of the farm animals and um yeah and and this friendship you know one of the things i think that's that's uh, that should be understood about this friendship is that these pigs are omnivores mm-hmm. and so unlike any they're the only farm animal that if you go in and lie down with them for an hour they will literally eat you. <laughs> so when I say, you know, we need to respect the pigness of pigs, uh, you know, I'm picking the one animal on the farm that uh, that could actually do me in if I if I uh, went in and quit moving. And, you know, a cow, you you could die in a cow, and they'd never eat you, you know. A, a chicken's all, they might peck your eyes out, but they're not going to, you know, eat you up very much. But a pig, you know, pigs, pretty quick, they'll... Um, yeah you know, they'll, they'll i tell I tell kindergartners that come I say now remember kids, these are omnivores." So keep moving. Let them know that you're alive. <laughs> that is
1: extremely humbling to remember. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a good thing. Um, okay, so changing topics just a little bit, because you've mentioned GMO a few times. I'm, cu- I'm really curious to hear what your thoughts are on the recent uh, GMO bill that uh, some folks are calling sort of like the, the industry-backed bill. And uh, it's a watered-down version of, uh, of what sort of GMO... Labelists, if you will, uh, are trying to do um, with GMO labeling. Right,
2: right. Well, uh, what this bill does is, it. My understanding is that it it um, it supersedes uh, state state sovereignty in being able to pass GMO bills of a state's choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by giving them. By telling the state where well, you can't pass any any rules, and if you do, it has to be under this one, which which uh, uh, includes it you know, that you can't you can't make anybody um, put it on the label. Uh, it can be in the whatever that little um, you know barcode thing yes. is. Yes, yeah, and you um, can't
1: see it and, and, and or read it. That, yeah, where,
2: yeah. So, mm-hmm. so it, it can be very very hidden. Um, Look, I'm a, I'm a huge states rights advocate. I, I'm a yeah. huge states right, I, I think. And the reason for that, and this is maybe a good example, the reason for that is because when you don't have things done at the federal level, it gives a lot of room for experimentation. Uh, and I- innovation comes out of experimentation. And one of the problems, I think in our country, the reason we are we have such uh, divides and, and uh, dissension, Right now is because we have, in fact, arrogated so many uh, policy issues to the federal level. So it's it's a winner take all. It's a it's a one size fits all, and and so it's for all the marbles. Mm -hmm. Whereas if these battles from you know name your name your battle from minimum wage to gay rights to GMO labeling to whatever, if these battles were fought at the state level, then we would have we would actually have the option for 50 different types of experiments. And if you're, if, if you're actually, if you truly want innovation in a culture, if you really want innovation to happen, then what you want is to shove the decision-making possibility down to as decentralized an option as possible and minimize the centralized decisions so that you can have way, way more diversity and way, way more uh um trials in a decentralized decision making model mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, a, 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 as an ecologist you know we know that the more different kinds of plants and animals we have on our farm the, the stronger it is mm-hmm. because because there are way more plants and animals expressing their gifts and talents you know uh, uh, on the farm and and the same thing is true politically that, right. okay. um, that I, I, if we if we Push those decisions down to a lower a local and a state level, then suddenly we have lots of different possibilities and people oh look what they're doing over there oh look what they're doing oh that's ooh, I don't like I don't like what they're doing over there that's bad you know oh but but they're doing a neat job over there maybe we could do what they do and just imagine all the experimentation we could have it'd be you know it'd be like having honeybees cows and, and tomatoes and peppers all on the same farm uh, it's cool
1: wow. That is a really great interesting argument against the the recent GMO bill. Um, you know a lot of people are are saying that uh, you know um, if okay so if this this bill were not implemented because Vermont passed successfully this uh, GMO labeling bill yep. that you know industry would have we'd be forced to label across the board so this was their way of kind of avoiding that um but that's a, that's a really interesting perspective as well, yeah.
2: Yes, well, what's fascinating to me is that, that before Vermont did this, if you'll recall, uh, the Monsantoites in the culture said that, you know, Vermont would all starve to death because no company <laughs> would, would label just for Vermont. Uh-huh. And, and, and the fact is it, it wasn't no. even a blip. It wasn't even a blip. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so yeah, there's, I, I, th- I think just generally, um, the more differences, diversity that you allow, uh, the, the the better, more resilient, and better ideas you can come up with. I think it's I think it's great to have a lot of. A lot of uh, choices
1: out there. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your perspective on that. Um, That was really, really interesting. Um, And thank you so much for talking more about this book. Um, Really, really, it's a a great pleasure to have you here on Heritage to talk about it. Um, That's about all the time we have for today. But uh, do check out The Marvelous Pigness of Pigs. um, And uh, we'll be reading more from you, hopefully, in the future as well thanks so much, thank Joel. It's a
2: delight, delightful to be with you. thank you.
1: Absolutely. See everyone at Heritage Radio Network next week on Eat Your Words
2: Ooh, I like the way you do Whoa, the way you took it so
1: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork dot org.